2: BLOB TALK RADIO
0: BLOB TALK RADIO Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week, your host, healthcare administrator and certified humour professional, Maya Aziz, Invite someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt
1: and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership, and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what
0: ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup, and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around. It sure is, and good morning. This is Maya coming to you live from Montreal. People often ask me, Maya, all this positive psychology stuff, it's ridiculous. Life is hard. How can you be so positive? My answer, though not very eloquent, is simple. I try to be positive because, frankly, the alternative sucks. Yeah, life is hard. It can be painful and painfully unfair and sometimes completely devastating. But maybe that's easy for me to say. I mean, like most adults, I've had losses and disappointments, some scary moments and for sure times of real sadness. And though not always completely gracefully, I've managed to, for the most part, keep a fairly positive outlook on life. But there are setbacks, job loss, relationships that end, losing loved ones, dreams that don't work out. And then there are setbacks. I'm talking about those times when life throws such a curveball, it knocks you and often everybody around you completely out when the unimaginable happens. I mean, how on earth do you keep positive when your life is positively falling apart? And frankly, why bother? Well, my guest today was thrown just that kind of curveball. And not only did he not let it take him out of the game, but I feel like he caught it and won. Steve Lawton was a former NASA engineer and Dell executive when in a split second on a snowy day in March 2014, His life changed. Having survived an experience few of us can even imagine, one captured in his new book, Head First, A Crash Course in Positivity, he is now committed to sharing his insights about how to create a positive mindset, lead with positivity, and achieve better outcomes. Steve believes that no matter what challenges you face, having a positive mindset can help you achieve better results. He has spoken at large corporations like Dell, Accenture, uh, the University of Texas, and Texas A&M University, and has been featured as a TEDx speaker, and today is here with us to share his unbelievable story and the lessons we can all learn from it. Steve, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: I'm so happy you could join me. So, Steve, you know, I I sort of referred in my introduction to this event that happened to you a couple of years ago that sort of changed the course of your life and certainly put you on this path of wanting to share the value of positivity with others. But I'm wondering if you can actually tell us what happened that day. What is this incredible story of yours?
1: Uh, I'd be happy to. So, the day was March 9th 2014 and uh it was a I was on a spring break trip a ski trip with my family and uh my family consists of my wife and uh I have a son and a daughter both of the time were in high school uh and uh we were in Breckenridge Colorado and uh on the second day of that ski trip is when I skied into a tree at 45 miles an hour. And that it was the very first run of the day. And uh, lucky to be here. I'm talking to you today. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. blessed. I feel like I'm living bonus time uh, right now, having survived what I survived. And it's just this, it's a miraculous story. And as I started sharing it with people, the reactions I get, um, has encouraged me to continue sharing it um because it's it 's one of the reasons why i think i was I was brought back to life is to share this story and and help others.
0: And I know that you're right, because the story really is um, incredible. And and when you describe the speed with which this accident happened, um, I, too, think it is an unbelievable blessing that you're here talking to me today, but just in general sharing this story, because it's amazing. Um, can you describe a little bit, just to give us a sense of, you know, this accident happened, you know, these things happen in a split second, and there was quite a period of, um, recovery, uncertainty. Uh, it must've been quite a process that you went through. I, I can't even imagine how positivity came into play there. Tell me about it.
1: Yeah. So as I look back on it now, I actually, I find it strange, um, that I never, it never really occurred to me that I wasn't going to survive and, uh, recover. Uh, it was one of those, um, it, it was just, I woke up, uh, I don't remember the actual accident happening because I hit my head on that tree too hard, um, but I woke up the next day in the hospital and never occurred to me that, I, I maybe I didn't realize how bad a shape I was in, uh, but it never mm-hmm. occurred to me that I wouldn't recover. It was just, okay, here's, this is where I am, this happened to me, now what? And I remember uh asking my wife three questions when I woke up, and they were "What happened? Where am I?" and when can I go home and That was the start <laughs> of my of my recovery right there and my wife is looking at me um and i have I have a breathing tube in i have um, they they literally put screwed brain sensors into my skull that I had sticking out of my head and cords and, and, and tubes everywhere, and she looked at me and she just, she said, um, okay, you're in a hospital in Denver, and that was when I said, what happened? And i like, she said, you're in a skiing accident, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> when can I go home? And she's looking at me, and she kind of laughed a little bit, and she said, uh, we're going to just keep you here for a little while, and just make sure you're okay. And that was really, I didn't get much more information than that, I think I just fell back asleep. Um, but that was, that was how it started. Um, and the positive attitude, it, it wasn't a, uh, I was, I'm very blessed to have had a positive attitude and a, just a optimistic mindset going into this. And the, uh, uh, the, the fact that I had that, I really do think, uh, saved my life in a, in a, in a couple of different ways, but it wasn't, I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to make myself positive. Uh, it just was the way I naturally was. I mean, I wasn't happy laying there in the bed. I don't want to give that indication, but I wasn't sitting there feeling sorry for myself or saying, why me? Um, it really was, okay, you're just in a terrible situation. What are you going to do to get out of it?
0: Thank you for making that distinction, because I think sometimes um, people have this misconception about positivity equaling feeling happy all the time, and that's that's not the case um, so i'm I'm glad you sort of made that distinction because of course what you i mean i 'm sure i can only i yeah. can't even imagine what you were going through physically um, and emotionally i'm sure um, you know there's something that that you said that really struck me was that you literally you woke up from this situation. And never doubted that it was going to be okay. You obviously had this positive mindset before. Is that something that you've always had your whole life? Um, Is that something that you developed? Can you talk to me or tell me where did that come from?
1: Yeah. So honestly, I think it is something I've I've had my whole life. You know, all the pictures my mom told me when I was a kid, I was always smiling. I was just a happy kid. And so for as long as I can remember, I've always been optimistic and and happy. Um, and it wasn't really a, a conscious thing where I, where I had to work on it. Um, but what I've learned about positivity since the accident, what I realized is that all these things that I had been doing had actually helped to con- contribute to build my positive attitude that kind of just built on itself over time. Uh, and, I wasn't doing it consciously saying I need to do these exercises to become more positive. Um, But just over time being optimistic and looking at the glass half full and when I had problems, I didn't dwell on why the problem happened to me for very long. I just kind of naturally went to, okay, well now we have this problem. What are we going to go do about it? And um, it's, it's always been there. Um, And so it's just one it was one of those things it, it as I, once I got out of the hospital and I started, you know, researching more about, um, I started researching about the brain because I had a brain injury it was one of the injuries I had. And I wanted to know if it would get better. And one of the things I learned about the brain was about just how important your attitude is with healing in general. And, and I started learning more and more about the brain and learning more and more about positivity and realized that, um, it really was something that you could practice and get better at, um, if you, if you put effort into it. And so, um, for me, you know, it was, it was something that I've, that I've, that I've had, but now that I know uh, how important it is and, and that it is something that you can build up, it's something that I actually do, um, consciously and purposefully practice, um, positivity in order to continue to maintain or build that, um, what the psychologist I learned called a positivity offset.
0: Positivity offset. Can you tell me what that means?
1: Yeah. So, um, the um, in the field of positive psychology, and I'm not a I'm not a psychologist. I'm an engineer. Just to just to set that straight. This is. Um, but what I've learned about it is um, we're all born um, with a negativity bias. Um, and it's a part of what helped our ancestors survive uh, 10,000 years ago when they were trying to stay alive from saber-toothed tigers. And their mind, the people that were more likely to survive and pass on their genes, were the people who were good at sensing danger around them and looking for things to be afraid of and things to be scared of in their environment and reacting to them. And so over time... That became a very important part of survival. Is this constant? What we now call a negativity bias, where you're looking for problems, looking for things that are going wrong, looking for threats in your environment. Um, the positivity, and we're all born with that. That's a part of the amygdala and the part of the brain that's right at the top of the brainstem. And the positivity offset is what the pos- what the psychologists um, uh, say is the cognitive part of the brain that is looking to uh, change that and, and offset that negativity bias that we're built with. And so this positivity offset is something that happens inside your brain and um, I believe it's inside the frontal cortex where your thoughts happen, where you consciously are um, uh, coming up with ways to offset that negativity bias that you're, that you're um, born with. You know,
0: I, I'm listening to you, Steve, and it's really interesting because you describe uh, you describe that so well, the negativity uh, bias um, that, you know, thousands of years ago, as you said, made sense. Um, thankfully, certainly in Montreal, we don't have saber-toothed tigers anymore, <laughs> <So> maybe <laughs> yeah. not as, as needed. But you know what I find interesting? As you were talking, there were of certain people that I know that sort of popped up in my head, um, and you know, sometimes I, I wonder. Okay, was was that person just born more negative, and has seems to have this sort of negative worldview, and sees everything as a threat? But I yeah. guess what I'm hearing from you is that that can be changed. You can actually have a bit of control over that if you put some effort in. Am I understanding that right?
1: Yes, and that was what was so encouraging to me is I started. Um, uh, you know, sharing my story and talking to people about positivity, the the concept of neuroplasticity that I learned about when I was studying about my brain injury and how it relates to positivity. That no matter how you're born or how you are today, by practicing positivity or positivity principles or um, gratitudes, or there's a number of different things you can do to make you help yourself practice positivity by just simply doing those things, you're literally changing the structure of your brain and rewiring your brain and becoming a more positive person. And uh to me it was just like eye opening when I when I kind of when I figured that out. It's like I can you know, through my story, it's like I was really positive and it helped to save my life. You're not just born into whatever you're not doomed to however you're born or whatever you're feeling uh right now. You can improve it if you practice
0: it. And I, and I want to get to that sort of notion of practicing it in a second, but, you know, it's been a couple of times that you've mentioned that you really feel the fact that you had this positive attitude made an impact in your healing process. And as you just said, you know, saved your life. Can you give us an example of what you were able to do or um, approach differently during your healing process uh because of this positive mindset, like what do you attribute to your positivity in at that time in your life that was um certainly something few of us have experienced
1: yeah so um I like to to say that my my positive attitude literally saved my life um, and maybe that people would think that's an overstatement, but I really do believe that. And the reason—can I take a few minutes and just tell you the story about what happened during my recovery and why I say that?
0: Please do, please do.
1: Okay. Um, So, what happened to me um, in my recovery? So I'm in the hospital in Denver, fantastic hospital, by the way, uh, uh, and fantastic doctors. And it was uh, day seven after the accident, and. I had just gotten my breathing tube uh, removed, so I was now breathing on my own. And the doctors and nurses were telling me I needed to do my breathing exercises so my lungs could continue to heal, uh, as well as get the – there was a lot of blood in my lungs that I had to cough up. Basically, was the only way to get it out. And they said, if you don't, um, it'll stay in your lungs, and it could become infected, and you could get pneumonia. And if you get pneumonia um, in the condition that you're in, as weak as you are – it's likely to be a fatal complication, and so it was. It was serious. I needed. I needed to do these exercises, but these exercises were painful.
2: Mm-hmm. In order
1: to to do these exercises and cough up this blood, you basically had to do deep breathing exercises into a device called a spirometer, and um, you know you take a few deep breaths through that device, and it would expand your lungs a little bit and loosen up the blood at the bottom of your lungs. Uh, uh, And by, you know, spreading your, expanding your lungs, you're taking these giant deep breaths um, in your rib cage. And I had three broken ribs and a broken sternum uh, and a broken back. We could talk about that in a little bit. But I had a ton of broken bones around my lungs and taking a deep breath hurt. So I didn't want to do those exercises. And the experience that I had today – Day seven, so it's the day after the breathing tube came out. Uh, I believe that God spoke to me, and what I heard was, "Steve, if you want to live and see your kids again, you need your lungs, and if you want your lungs, you're going to have to fight for them." And to me, it was I had to do those breathing exercises that I wasn't wanting to do. The doctors and nurses were telling me I needed to do them daily. So from that moment on. Um, I was doing those breathing exercises diligently. You might say, since I had heard God's voice, I was doing them religiously. But I did them every hour like like they had told me to go do, and I was not missing them. My wife tells me that I did them more frequently than that. And every time I did those breathing exercises, it would loosen up, expand my blood lungs a little, loosen the blood in my lungs, and I would have a violent coughing fit. Um, like if you've ever had a bad cough with about a bunch of gunk in your lungs and you ca- I had to cough up that blood from the bottom of my lungs. And if, if you've ever had a cough with a bruised rib, having a cough with a broken sternum, three broken ribs, and a broken back, a violent coughing fit, is by far the most painful thing I can promise you you can ever do. And I made myself do that essentially once an hour. Um, and it was the, to this – I mean, I'm, I can't imagine anything worse than that. Um, but what happened was my over the next couple of days, my lungs had expanded. I had gone from um, being on the oxygen mask and full oxygen um, to two days later, basically completely off of oxygen. And so my lungs had expanded quite a bit, had healed quite a bit in that two days. And on day nine, um, I started – Experiencing shortness of breath, and it was uh, getting worse and worse pretty rapidly. And the doctors and nurses um, took them a, a little while, but they figured out um, they took some more <laughs> x-rays, and they found that I was ha- having a bilateral pulmonary embolism, which is where the um, blood in your lungs starts to clot. Bilateral means it was both lungs. So it blocks the blood flow through your lungs and through your body, and it's a disease that will kill you very rapidly unless it's detected and treated right away. And the doctors took, rushed me out of the hospital room, took the x-rays, determined that I had a bilateral pulmonary embolism, took me into back into ICU, put the breathing tube back in, and injected me with what I call Big Daddy blood thinners to break up <laughs> those clots. And They, they saved my life. Uh, the doctors literally saved my life again. Um, but I believe if I hadn't been doing those Uh, breathing exercises every hour and kind of forcing myself to do that, um, because of the attitude that I had, my lungs wouldn't have healed to the point and I wouldn't have given the doctors the time to um, diagnose and and treat that uh, condition. So I'm super lucky to have survived uh, all that, and I really do attribute it to the attitude that I had.
0: Wow. I'm almost speechless. It's
2: crazy.
0: It it is crazy. You know, you start describing it and I think, oh my God, oh my God. And then you add something else to it. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) How is this guy talking to me today? (laughs) I know. Um, it's, but it's, I now I understand why you, you say that positivity saved your life because it literally saved your life. And what I hear when you're talking is it almost sounds like the fact that you saw – and right from the beginning, you saw a positive outcome, and you kind of only saw a positive outcome, yeah. and you were determined to reach that outcome. Um, and uh, you know how how great that you did. Uh, so I can understand that. Now I need to ask you something because you know I am a wife and a mother, and
2: yeah.
0: as I listen to you describe your injuries and how things progressed, I cannot help but Think of your family. Yeah. Were they able to be positive during? I cannot even imagine their suffering. You know, was positivity know. something that helped them as well?
1: Yes, I believe so. And first about um, my wife, because uh, in, in many ways, like, like you indicated, her the situation that she went through was worse than what I went through. Yeah, I had all the pain. Um and I was the one that had to do the, the therapy and all that difficult stuff um, but I just had one thing to do and just take care of my just do these things that were in front of me, just practical things. She had the job of being positive for me and setting the environment that I was in. Um, when I woke up that first from that first time that I asked her those three questions, she was positive. if I'd woken up and um, i saw in her eyes fear and hysteria, I may not have survived. I might have looked at her and gone, Oh shit, something is really wrong. Sorry if I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> um, um something's really wrong. Um uh but uh uh she didn't. She was very just like you're here, this is what we're gonna go do, we're gonna get better. Um uh and the entire time she was positive. Um I only saw her cry um one time. I'll tell you about that a little bit later. You can go back to that. But she was always positive in uh, the hospital room. She wasn't happy and bubbly and fake, but it was just um we have a job to do. We have we're gonna go we're gonna get through this. Um and it's gonna be painful and it's gonna be hard, um and it's gonna be a lot of work, but you can do it. I know you and I know we can do it together. And everyone that came and visited, um, before they would come into the room, she would talk to them outside the room and tell them, okay, here's what you're going to see when you go in. And here are the kind of things that are okay to say. And these are the kind of things we don't really want to say. We don't want to talk about. um, We don't want to talk about um, um, that, you know, this is terrible. We don't want to talk about, wow, what if you don't get better? Or what if you can't do this again? those are things we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about in front of Steve. We're just gonna we're happy you're here and we could talk about what's going on now but um she kind of made sure everybody brought in that positive um attitude and kept it kept it positive inside the room. The hospital we were at, um I think they um also believed in this because the entire staff, the nurses buddy was had a positive attitude. Again, not happy, not bubbly, not fake, but This is what I'm doing. This is why we're here. And this is really going to hurt, but you're going to have to go through it. Um, Just matter of fact and on a mission to get you better. And so and everybody that came in um, kind of followed that. Um, Everybody was positive. Um, But my wife throughout the whole thing, from the time in the hospital um, to the time here at home, um, we just maintained that, that positive attitude. And when I say it's harder for her, Like, you know, she was not only dealing with the emotional um, uh, process of, I may lose my husband, um, but she's having to deal with all that internally and keep a positive mindset on the outside, um, to me, even if she is worried. Um, And she's talking to the family. She's talking to to my kids. um, She's um, uh, making life-and-death decisions about my care and decisions about what treatment I would and wouldn't get. And, you know, she had, her job was way harder. So she was, she's also a very positive person. And I credit my survival to, to her, uh, as well and the attitude that she had, because I promise you, I wouldn't have done it and without her. And one of, one of the things I, I tell her today when, when, when she does get mad at me for silly things I still do, um, you know, it's like, hey, you had you had the chance to pull the plug on me, and you blew it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're stuck with me now. You had your chance.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> that's great. And and uh, and as we all know on this show, sense of humor is a, a hugely important aspect of having a, yeah. a positive outlook on life. <laughs> yes. Your wife sounds amazing. She really does. She, and you know, she at, is. I'm sure, and you know, I I wonder too. Uh, I, you know, at the opening of the show, I was saying that sometimes, you know, just if I can speak for myself, sometimes I choose to be positive because, frankly, the alternative is horrible and and so yeah. i I would rather sort of you know focus on okay this is it's gonna work out, we're gonna get through this um and I you know can't help but wonder if there might have been an element of that for her because um the the opposite would have been unimaginable, and yet it must have crossed her mind
1: yeah yeah It's, i think I think you're right um, you know her. I, I I try to imagine what she was going through and I find it I I find it hard to just end up putting myself in her situation if I was there like wow could I do that um, and I have a really positive attitude and it's just I think you're right though that to me also the alternative was just not wasn't an option and so you, you had to just power through it and whatever was on the other side you know you know, you were at least gonna do everything you could do, uh, to help you get through it. Um, but and and laughter and uh love and laughter is, is a giant is a giant part of it and laughter was a huge part of my recovery uh as well. We found tons of stuff. E- even in that even in that uh you know, terrible situation, we found things to, to laugh about.
0: Isn't that amazing? Because you know, I often you know my field is therapeutic humor, and um, I often get people saying, "Well, yeah, but there's moments where laughter or humor is just not appropriate. There are very serious things that happen," and and I say, you know, even in those moments, and sometimes even more in those moments. It can be such a powerful, powerful way of coping. Did you have? Can you give us an example, perhaps, of uh, you know how humor helped you through that period?
1: Yeah. So there were there were a couple things that happened. There were a couple things that happened during the um, uh, during the recovery that I would say kind it, of indicate how humor was a giant, giant part of it um probably the 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 one that is the that's still with me today is uh on day four of the accident we um we were sent by a friend of ours, Julie gross, sent us a um a giant rubber chicken
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she must have sent it like right after she heard the news that I was in the hospital because it got there like day four. And, this, I mean, it's literally, it's a three-foot-tall rubber chicken. And it's in a purple polka dot bikini. And I like to say she's wearing far too much makeup. And so, um, and and she honks. And it, she's packed in this tiny little, tiny little box. And my wife is behind me in the hospital room, kind of on the side where, out of my field of view. And she opens the box and takes Henrietta out. Henrietta's the name of the chicken. Um, and Henrietta reinflates and goes, oh, oh, oh this loud honk that I, that I couldn't hear at all or that I couldn't see what the hell was going on. All I heard was this giant honk, and um, my dog is coming to visit me here so, um this giant honk behind me. And I'm, like, trying to get my wife's attention and go, what? What on earth was that? Like, what are you doing back there? And she walks to the side of the bed holding the giant rubber chicken and has the card that came with it. And she reads the card to me. And she's like, um, this is Henrietta, good luck chicken. And she's yours now. She's brought us good luck for years. Now she's yours, and she's going to help you through this. And I'm looking at the end of this rubber chicken going, okay, I guess I need a giant rubber chicken. And i I was not in the mood for a giant rubber chicken at that time um but she was she, it they cracked her up, and it was it i mean it is funny that you can't not laugh at a giant rubber chicken that honks at you so but we 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 put Henrietta up in the room and displayed her prominently because she's not one to be ignored, and every doctor nurse visitor everybody that we had that came into that room afterwards um they would all kind of stop dead in their tracks when they walk in the room and see Henrietta, they'd stop and look at her and go, do you have a giant rubber chicken in your room? What, <laughs> what is that? And so we would introduce Henrietta and then have a chuckle and then they'd go on about their business. But it kind of turned our room from this you know, place of seriousness and pain and suffering to a place where you could also have a little bit of levity mixed in it as well. And that little bit of levity, I believe, really helped break up the tension and helped um just change the whole mood of the room. And it it played it played a giant role in it played a giant role in, in my recovery, that laughter. And we wound up getting pictures with Henrietta and pretty much every nurse and every staff member and half the doctors that, that had taken care of me, Henrietta. Um Henrietta would get rides in the uh in the middle of the night with the nursing staff, at like three in the morning when the supervisors weren't around, I guess. But she would go and, and get, um, and get uh, uh, views of. Uh, she would go get tours at the hospital, and go visit other other people's room, and bring positivity to the to the whole place. So, um, I still have her today, she's still a big part of part of my story when I go when I go and tell it. Um, having her having her around's a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: What a great... First of all, what a brilliant friend you have. Yeah, isn't
1: (laughs) Uh, it? Who would have have thought? It's like, who who thinks of that? But (laughs) she really did help save me.
0: and, And I believe you, because even, you know, you describe... And it was day four. I mean, in probably a bit of the darkest moments of this whole experience... And yet, even you know, I, I listened to the words that you used. You spoke about for a moment, your wife burst out laughing laughing, and that must have been a moment of relief and yeah. a moment to catch her breath. And then, as you said, you know, use the words, and then we could go on and do what we needed to do. Um, what a great, great example. So, Steve, you've convinced me. You have absolutely convinced <laughs> me that po- having this positive attitude, um, I, I'm going to use your words. I, I agree. I think it saved your life. And at the beginning, you were telling me, and this is something that people can build, and I think you even used the word exercise, um, as though yeah. it was like physical fitness. So now I want to know, how on earth do we do this?
1: Ah. Awesome. And I'm so excited to talk about this because um, it really has almost become part of my mission. It's like I feel like this is part of why I was brought back. Um, And it's funny that you say like physical fitness because as I started talking about it and sharing my story, um, someone at work that I told it to, their words to me was like, what you're talking about is just like fitness for your attitude. And I was like, that's exactly right. It's fitness for your attitude. It's such a perfect analogy because it's it's really kind of literally the same thing. When you go do physical fitness and you go run and and lift weights or exercise, you know, you you help build up um, fitness in your body, and over time, you become physically fit. And it's the same thing with attitude fitness. By doing little exercises every day to practice your positivity and help you build a positive attitude, even if it's just for a moment, help you build that attitude fitness. So I've got um, several different things uh, that that I do now purposefully to try to help build a positive attitude. And um, I didn't, you know, I was always positive and I never really thought about it. It's just doing things um, just I naturally. But now it's as I've started talking about positivity, really kind of boiled it down to some, tried to do some really simple things that people can do to build their positivity and build the positivity of people around them. And so, like the the first example is uh, certainly not new, um, but I think it's super effective, and it's the gratitude journal, and it's something that I do now regularly. I'd like to say I do it every day, but I'm not that good at it. I, I do it most days. Um, but my for, my for me, my practice is when I get up in the morning, um, uh, I write down three, as a part of my morning routine, I write down in my gratitude journal three things I'm grateful for that had happened in the last 24 hours. And so for me, I try to make it specific, not general, because I've got some general things like I am really happy to be here. Just, it's great to be here. It's something I say, and I really, it means something different to me than any most other people that say it. But I like write down specific things I'm grateful for. I I was able to help my daughter with her physics homework yesterday. I was able to help someone uh, at work. Someone came to me for some advice on a problem, and I was able to give them some advice that helped, or I solved the problem, or... You know, sometimes they're, they're big. Like tomorrow I'll write down in my gratitude journal that I had the opportunity to talk to you and share my story <laughs> with, with you today. And so you'll be in my gratitude journal tomorrow. Um, and these are bigger things that go in there. Some days, like the day that I, I was reading a book where I, I learned about it and said, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, and the day I decided to start doing that was the day after what I would call a, a terrible day. Things had not gone well. Uh, at work that day prior and I was really upset about it. And so I'm sitting there trying to come up with three things I was grateful for from the previous day and like I'm thinking to myself, why did you pick today of all days to try to come <laughs> up with three things you're grateful for? And so like oh, geez. Um, but I did. But they were they were not big things and they were still okay. One of those I was able to play ball with my dog in the yard. And so pretty small thing. You might say it was. I was still grateful. It's a lot of fun. I, my dog loves playing ball with me, and I enjoy playing ball with my dog. And I'm glad I got the opportunity to do that. So the gratitudes don't have to be big, huge things. To me, they're little tiny things that you say or do, um, or things that people say or do to you that you're that you're grateful for. So the gratitude journal is one that I that I really like.
0: That's great and I and I like how you point out um you know cuz there's a lot of talk about gratitude these days uh, you know you see posts all over social media yeah. and um you know and and people I think sometimes have a misconception that it's about you know being grateful for really big important things but it's it's not it's about um noticing and being present and aware as you say of there's so many little things that we can be yeah. grateful for as well, so that 's a great exercise to add to my workout. What else can I add to my workout?
1: So you know one of the one of the things that i that I do now that that's, um, like you talked about the the little things that can make a difference, and i'll answer the question by first telling you that to me there's like there's three things that are different about me in, in my perspective on life now. The first one is that I value my time a lot more. I really mm-hmm. feel like I'm living bonus time, and it changes your perspective when you feel like do life. You know, we all know life is short, and it is a gift. But to me, it's it's hit home a little bit more in reminding myself of that. Like you really are blessed to be here, and the the, the thing about it is, with that with that time, I value it a lot more. Um, I uh, and I enjoy the moments that I'm in a lot more than I ever have before. Um, and that's kind of the next exercise I would say is try to find a moment a day or a couple moments a day where you can kind of just kind of step back from the situation a little bit and look into it and just appreciate that moment that you're in. And I'll give you an example. It's not an everyday moment, but this was one when i when I really when it's profoundly hit home with me was it was six months after the accident. The accident happened on March ninth. My daughter had her sixteenth birthday at the end of October that same year, and we're sitting at the kitchen table, and she's um turned sixteen, and we got family all around. There's about ten of us sitting around the table, and everybody's just having a great time and I'm sitting there. And I wind up kind of just mentally backing away from the table and looking around going, oh, my God, it's so great to be here and to be a part of this. And that, you know, that's a fantastic moment um, to, to really step back and, and help yourself live that moment and recall it. And then the second thing I I did, um, maybe it's not a part of this exercise, but it's like to me at the time it was pretty powerful like you almost died, you were almost not here, and if you had died six months ago, how different would this would the would this room be without you here? It would be so sad without you here. You're so important to these people's lives, you know, and I don't know that we think about that much, but it's the truth we don't really we think about the moments that we're in, like internalize them but think about how you're a part of so many moments around you that would be completely different if you had died recently. So it's a way to make it a gift, make life a gift and bring it home.
0: That's incredible, Steve. You know, (laughs) you kind of gave me chills with that, that you actually, because of what you've been through, were able to sort of stop and say, essentially you were saying, I might not have been here. And yeah. what would have been happening were I not here? That's pretty powerful. And the other thing, when you talk about you know trying to be a bit more present in these moments that happen all the time, we're not very good at that, are we? Uh, certainly in the no. West, we're we're in such a hurry to do I don't know what to to get to the next thing that we're in a hurry <laughs> about.
2: Um,
1: I feel like increasingly
0: we're just we're terrible at that.
1: I I completely agree, and I would say. I'm a I'm a victim of it. I'm a victim of it too, and it's hard not to be in this world that we live in, where everything is here at your at your fingertips, and there's you can always be productive, and you know trying to be. And you know, for me, I think that part of what I um, I do in my in the morning ritual that that I have uh, is uh, five minutes of meditation time. I'm, I would argue I'm not that good at it. Time where you just sit and just try to be just you, and tune out the rest of the world and just tune in to yourself and really clear your head and slow down a little bit. And by doing that, it's almost like hitting the reset button. And I find myself doing it sometimes, sometimes during the day. I'm not. I, I should do it a lot more frequently because it it does make a difference to myself, to me when I do it. But those like moments of, of meditation or uh, mindfulness uh, can be powerful ways to hit the reset button and slow down and, and bring yourself back into the moment instead of worrying about something that could happen in the future or stressing about something that happened in the, in the past. But it's not, it's not easy to do.
0: No, you're right, you're right. Though though, I think the more you do it, which is sort of what you're saying in terms of thinking of our our attitude and our mental state and our level of positivity as an exercise. It is a practice. Uh, The more you do it, the more it becomes natural. And the fact, I think the fact that you had that positive attitude going into this horrible accident is sort of testimony to that, that you had lived like that until that moment. And then it served you really well. You mentioned your daughter and I, you know, I don't want to finish this interview without asking you a little bit because you did have, how old were you kids when this happened?
1: um my son was uh, 17 and my daughter was 15
0: oh my gosh okay yeah and how how has this experience changed how you relate to them or the messages or what you might want or hope for them in their futures
1: yeah so it it's really the accident and our recovery as a family brought the whole family closer together I believe, Mm
2: -hmm. Um, because
1: we appreciate each other a lot more than we ever have, because we we all know how close I was to not being a part of it. And so, for one, I'd say the relationship is is tighter. Um, We appreciate each other more. Um, And, you know, we we purposefully kind of boost each other's positivity. Um, It's almost... Some of it's like a become such a routine. It's like a joke now. Like every morning, um, after the accident, when I was, you know, started really talking about positivity, um, I would tell them as I as I was leaving for, to go to work for the day, "Have a great day," and they'd all yell back, "Have a great day," and but we we do it every single day now, and make it <laughs> a point. Like there's sometimes I'm uh, doing conference calls for my. Uh, office before I go into work, and my daughter's leaving for school, and I realize she's walked out the door, and I go running out of my office into the driveway and go, "Have a great day!" <laughs> Stop, <laughs> just have a great day. And so, but it's but it's fun. It's and it's little things like that that um, there are little moments of positivity and little things where we just help to build each other up. And you know, one of the things you had said earlier that I think is um, a really important part of this is. Um, positivity isn't just about being happy all the time. Um, there, you know, positivity, in my mind, is about. Um, it's not about ignoring your problems or the things that are getting you down. It's really about addressing them head on. And so we help ourselves, help each other do that. When one of us is having a problem, I have a bad day at work, or my daughter has a, a tough test coming up, or doesn't, didn't get a good grade on a test, or has a relationship. Um, problem and we'll we'll talk about it and we're not saying, Hey, you need to be positive, knock it off and just get out there and be tough. Um you have to um go through the emo- go through the all the emotions. They're all useful. And it's one one of the things one of the things that uh it was kind of a hard lesson for me with this. Um when I started talking about um positivity and I started talking about it literally almost a a year after the uh, accident um, is when I kind of started on this mission. Um, and and then as I'm talking to people about positivity, anytime I wasn't feeling positive, I started questioning myself and going, hey,
2: you are your positivity.
1: What the hell are you doing S- feeling sad or sorry for yourself? Knock it off, man. Get up there and be happy. Put a smile on your face. And so I tried, and I found that it didn't work. And these things that I was trying to be sad about, didn't get dealt with until I experienced the full range of emotions and so I learned that lesson personally by trying to trying to once I'm trying to be Mr. Positivity you know I, I felt like I couldn't if I if I wasn't positive how could I be Mr. Positivity but it's like no this that's I realized that was silly but it was it was a big lesson for me in this journey.
0: Thank you for for bringing that up because I think it's really a really important point um, that it's again it's not about being positive all the time and you know I sort of laugh because I think we've all been there in terms of you know when we get on this positivity bandwagon and uh, and then we start to sort of question ourselves and get angry at ourselves when we don't feel positive and then you feel more angry and frustrated yeah. and disappointed and right. it's like this spiral it's, of insanity. It's <laughs> As as though one negates the other And it doesn't and as you say The positivity serves a purpose Even when You're going through something horrible and feeling um, Feeling really badly which is Okay and it's fine to sit with that And experience as you say that whole Range of emotions Steve we're slowly slowly Running out of time, but I wanted to ask you something because I think it's important. I mean, you have it is truly a miraculous story, um, and um, I am grateful. And I think everyone now hearing this is so grateful that it ended so well. But that's not always the case, Um, and I think it's important that we just take a minute to talk about that because there are times when it perhaps does not work out the way your story did. And yet I'm going to guess, and I want you to tell me if I'm right or not, that perhaps having a positive attitude still can serve a valuable purpose, Um, perhaps in someone's situation where a health crisis um, has a a more difficult uh, process or outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, and it's uh, it's a super difficult situation, and I find myself um, I'm I'm blessed that it worked out so well for me, but it, like you said, it doesn't always work out well, and I'm not sure I have to have the best best advice with it, but I'm gonna tell you what what's going through what's going through my what's going through my mind is that do believe that um it happened it's happened the way it's happening for a reason um and it's you know it's we when we're in the middle of a situation where something someone is a loved one is in a health crisis uh it, you know it's awful at the time, and there's two things I would say is the first is um you had some, some the opportunity it's it's a horrible experience that you may be losing uh something that you have enjoyed and has been an important part of your life um but what's important to at least bring back to your your the front of your mind periodically is how blessed you are to have had those experiences with that person that's going going through that and this concept of you know everything happens for a reason. When I'm sitting here thinking about what happened to me and what I was going through, and thinking you know I you know I didn't dwell on the why did this happen to me, but I look back on it now, going that this whole thing happened for a reason, and I had no idea at the time what it was or what it was teaching me, and everything as I look back on it, every struggle that I've had in my life, um, those struggles are the times when I'm truly changing and learning and becoming a better person. And if I hadn't had that accident, uh, I wouldn't have studied positivity. I wouldn't be talking to to you today and your your listeners wouldn't be hearing this um, if I hadn't had that accident. So I'm here, um, and that happened for a reason. It happened to bring me here today to you, and whatever's going on in your life, you may not understand why it's happening or, or what could possibly be happening, what outcome could be happening in that that's good, but there is something there that hopefully will reveal itself to you sometime in the future, and while you're in the middle of it, it is a, it's a lot of suffering. It can be painful. It can be suffering, and it's—it's. we never want them to happen to us. Um, but those times when we're suffering are the times when um, we're learning or growing or getting stronger um, in some aspect of our life that life that'll help us later.
0: That, that's really true. I mean, I think, you know, any kind of a crisis, and as you say, well, uh, you know, as, as painful as it can be, and oh my gosh, can they be painful? Um, there is a lot of learning, eh? that happens in that moment. And, that's sort of the, the impetus for change often uh, are those kinds yeah. of situations. Steve, I will never forgive myself if I don't ask you this last question because uh, it'll keep me up all night if I, if I don't <laughs> ask you. you you've you mentioned at one moment that you were going to come back and you were going to tell us about uh, this other moment where your wife actually cried. And, I, and I'm just oh, really yeah. curious to hear about that.
1: Yes. So um, that moment, it was literally... Uh, the time that um, we were in the hospital and I had just been diagnosed uh, with the bilateral pulmonary pulmonary embolism taken back to ICU. And the doctors told her and I, um, what the disease that I had or the complication that I had and what was going to be done about it. Uh, and he said, I would be, he said, um, I would be okay because they had um, caught it in time. Um, uh, she and I were both devastated um, at that moment um, because we I had been doing – my recovery had been going so well for those first nine days. And I was making stride day after day, like big strides every day, getting better, getting better, and getting further and further out of the woods. Like I, I had said – I told people back at work, I'm no longer in survival mode. Now I'm in heal mode, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, – uh, and now I was back in survive mode, and my wife—that um, was the time that she cried because we had, had all of a sudden had a huge setback inside of a setback, and um, we had been going forward, and all of a sudden we essentially been punched in the gut and taken a huge step back, and it was it was hard to take. And um, for for both of us, I was upset about it, and she was crying. She excused herself from the room, and uh went back to the went back to the to the hotel they told her there's nothing you're going to be able to do here tonight go get some rest um and we'll call you if anything changes and i went to sleep and woke up the next morning and both of us kind of was still feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves about what had happened that we were doing so good and now here we were not doing so good anymore and it took a few hours for us to sort through that but we'd realized a i was i was lucky to be alive again um i wasn't um i knew um that this disease now that they had had put blood fitters in my body i would be able to recover from that i knew where I, my goals were still the same i'd already been on a part of this path that i needed to get back on and it was just kind of within a few hours we were kind of back to work but those couple of hours of um, like half a day or or a day basically of um, going backwards um was really was really heartbreaking and difficult to move from that you know that negative mindset back into that into that positive mindset again
0: wow i can, yeah uh, i can understand um and yet isn't that interesting how you did do that you moved from the that negative moment um, back to this sort of okay, what are we going to do and moving forward? Although you had, had this unexpected um, kind of horrible bump, shall we say, uh, yeah. in your yeah. in your recovery. Wow, what a story, Steve! It really is absolutely incredible, and I'm I'm excited about how you are using this uh, to help others understand the value um, and the possibilities that can come with really working on having a more positive mindset and the things that, you know, and you've shared with us even that you can do to achieve that. So so here you are, you're on this road to sort of share your message. What is coming up next for you?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. So um been on this journey, it's like two and a half years since the accident. And the first year was basically all just healing. And the this past year or the last year and a half is telling my story. And in telling my story, I started telling it uh, at work and realized how impactful it was um, when I told people. The reaction I got from people was, was I was humbled by it. And I said, man, I really have to tell this story. So I wound up uh, writing a book about it, uh, and the book just came out uh, I uh, got my hands on it, and it's available uh, on Amazon right now. It's called Head First: A Crash Course in Positivity. Um, my friend came up with that name, not me. It's a, I love the name. I wish I could take credit for it, um, <laughs> but uh, it's available on Amazon, uh, and it's a story about my recovery and uh, the eight positivity principles that I that I share that are real practical. Each chapter of the recovery, I talk about. Um, a little bit about what's going on in the recovery and then the positivity principle that that's related to and then what, how you can use that positivity principle and then practical exercises uh, that you can use to help build that positivity principle inside of your life. So that book is out. In, a, in about a week, um, I, my website will be live, com, and ask you to go onto that website and I have a positivity quiz in there uh, that you could take to determine your positivity score. And Henrietta is my assistant now. And she's going to analyze your <laughs> survey results. And she is going to tell you, um, and there's a picture of Henrietta, that my daughter has, has, uh, has taken Henrietta like, just virtually to a mountaintop. So if you score really well, you've got Henrietta on the mountaintop. Henrietta on the positivity trail, or Henrietta in the positivity wasteland, where she needs a positivity boost. Um, but she, but they will have three based on the, the survey you took. Which of the which of three of the eight positivity principles that can help you the most, and one exercise that you can do to boost that to help build that positivity. So that quiz will be available uh, in the website in about a week, and I'll have blogs on there. Where I talk about the positivity principles and things you can do for your attitude fitness. One of the positivity principles is all about finding laughter in the midst of your pain, which is like exactly what, what, you're, what you're doing with your show here. And then finally, I would say, you know, I'm starting to become active on social media, so um, follow me on Twitter, Steve H. Lawton, um, Facebook page, the same thing, and uh, LinkedIn.
0: Fantastic. Um, I'm going to include uh, the address for your website and the notes for this show. And I guarantee I personally am going to be doing that positivity survey because I need to see what Henrietta would would say about me. (laughs) And I'll make sure I post the results for all the listeners to know.
2: (laughs) That is such a great idea.
0: Listen, I want to thank you again, Steve. What an incredible story. Um, And your message is Is so valuable and what I love about it is it's valuable for everybody, no matter what you're going through, no matter what challenge you might be going through, or just to build your mindset in a positive way so that you're able to face whatever might come down the road. What a great message. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today.
1: And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you um, having me on your show and giving me the opportunity to, to share my story. It's like why I'm, why I'm, big part of why I'm here on this earth is to is to share it. So thank you so much for allowing me to do that.
0: Super. You have a great rest of the day.
1: I will. You do the same. Bye bye.
0: Bye. That was Steve H Lawton. What a story, really, and the message is universal. Coming up next week, we have. Speaking of. Stories Jude Trader Wolf, who is a writer, performer, improviser, and psychotherapist. (laughs) What a combination! And she is going to be joining me for a conversation about transformative storytelling. If you've ever been pulled by the idea of healing storytelling or uh, this whole new field of narrative medicine, you are not going to want to miss this. It is going to be so interesting. Don't forget that all episodes of Morning Moments are available as a podcast on iTunes, CastBox, and Stitcher. And until then, if, like me, you sometimes find yourself uh, at this time of year feeling a little more grouchy as the seasonal commercialism swirls into a frenzy or as family pressures for the holidays swell uncontrollably, why not make an early New Year's resolution? Forget that gym membership you never end up honoring anyways. What about trading in that dreaded spin class workout for some positivity mindset fitness? Now, that is a routine I am positive would make me feel good. And some last, last words on the topic from Elvis Presley, who said, when things go wrong, don't go with them. This is Maya, and I am out.